Hallelujah. Um, we're going to get right into the Word of God today, and um, our main text this morning will be in the book of Mark, chapter 5. But as a prelude to that, I'm going to start in the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. And it reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, say that with me, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hallelujah. That is what Jesus is about. He has come to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those who are oppressed of the devil. Those who don't know God. Those who don't have a reconciled relationship with God through him, he's come to set us free. You and I were among those at one time. But thanks be to God, he revealed himself to us in such a way that he grabbed our hearts and, 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 and we surrendered to him. We bowed the knee, we bowed our hearts and, and, and we confessed our sins and, and we received the glorious gift of salvation that he lovingly provided for us through his death and resurrection on the cross. That's why he came. And so even in 2020, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of, of, of racial strife and, 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 and social injustice and all the issues that, the heavy issues that we're having to deal with, it is still the year of the Lord's favor. It is not just a single year. God's favor is upon us in every year. God's favor is upon us in every situation. He's available to us in everything we encounter. And, and we need not let, and we must not let the circumstances of life lie to us. We must not let the circumstances of life cause us to believe anything contrary to what the word of God says. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you and challenging you to rise up to that. Let your mind be renewed and rise up to the truth of God's word. It, that, that, that your faith may be constant in the midst of the changing tides, uh, 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 that we have to deal with from day to day, from month to month, from year to year. And so Jesus, came. He was anointed. He came with good news. He came to proclaim liberty. Amen? To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And that brings us to Mark chapter 5. Excuse me. And we're just going to go through it. Uh, one verses one, starting at the first verse, and we'll work our way to verse twenty as we as we go through here. 
And be, but before I start reading at verse one, you know, many of us are very familiar, are familiar with this passage of scripture here in uh, Mark chapter five, verse one. But we are more familiar with what preceded it in the latter part of chapter four. You know, when Jesus told his disciples, let us go to the other side. All right. And en route, if they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, en route to the other side, a storm comes out of nowhere. All right. Jesus is asleep down in the boat. He's asleep. Storm's going on. And we have the disciples fearing for their lives. They, this storm is so severe and their situation is so perilous. Okay. That they believe they're about to die. And they come down, they find Jesus asleep. They're like, what's wrong with this dude? How can he be sleeping when we're all about to perish? And Jesus chastised them a little bit for their lack of faith. And he, what did he do? He got up to the boat, he went out, and and he took authority over the storm and said, said be quiet, peace, be still. And that storm, that raging storm, quieted. The storm that caused them to fear for their life was no more. And you know, as a, as a young man and in the Lord, I was, I was so full of zeal. And I know all of you can relate to this. And I, I, I would see these things in the Bible. I would see Jesus taking authority over the, uh, over the storms. I, I, I would see him curse the fig tree. I, I, I would see him, uh, uh, open blinded eyes and deaf ears and and I wanted to I wanted to do those miracles that I would see Jesus do and, and and that's a good thing to want all right but you know just about every miracle Jesus did there was a means to an end it, it, it the, the the miracle itself was not the show and I, I hope no one thinks I'm being blasphemous you know the, the miracle itself was not the the star. All right, it was not the primary focus. There, there, there was a life that Jesus was aiming to restore. And so the miracle, we focus our attention on the miracles and we want to do that. But you know what? He wants our attention to be focused more on is, is reaching hearts and changing lives. Are you hearing me? Some people can see a miracle and you know, that, that doesn't draw them closer to God. Not in and of itself. But the, 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 there is a message that is attached to the miracle. There's a gospel message. There, the, the, it, God not only wants you to bring that gospel message, but he knows how it needs to be packaged and how it needs to be presented in, in, in a way that will reach that person's heart because he's prepped their hearts to be reached. And if we're plugged into him, Okay, we're being obedient and we're plugged into him. We may not even know why he's telling us to do something the way that he's telling us to do it. But if we're obedient and faithful to it, there is a purpose. There is a method to the madness that it's being done in a way that God knows is necessary for that person to be reached with that truth and to respond in a way that's going to cause them to give their hearts to the Lord and, and receive the salvation that he's so so desperately wants to give them. Amen? And so, so it's amazing that he has the authority to come and quiet the storm. But you know what? There was another storm brewing. 
in the life of a single man. And that was the very purpose for which he said, let us go to the other side. I hope you're hearing me today because, because we, we, we all have those storms of life, right? We are, every one of us here has had or is currently in a storm of life. We didn't, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in my life I, I, I wished I didn't have to go through. Some of the stuff I brought on myself, some of the stuff was beyond my control. Regardless, I was in it. <laughs> right? And when you're in it, okay, you desperately need and want someone to come and, and throw you a life preserver. Okay, so Jesus said, let us go to the other side. A storm comes and it's the severity of which put life, put their lives at risk. Jesus, Jesus just did away with it. Peace be still because he had a date with someone on the other side of that sea. And there was nothing that come hell or high water. He was going to get to the other side because there was a life that needed an encounter with him. There was someone in bondage. There was a captive that needed to be set free. And he was bound and determined to go and, and, and set that captive free. I love the story of him quieting the storm on the sea. But I love even more and I am moved even more uh, by, by the storm that he quiets in Mark 5. I, I, I hope that is, uh, I hope you, you, you get the spirit of that. The way, uh, I love both the miracles, but this Mark 5 is the storm, is the quieting of a storm of a man's life that nobody had any idea what to deal with. And and that is the, uh, I'm sorry, I got a little ahead of myself. The title of today's message is, Jesus is coming to quiet your storm. He's coming. He is coming to quiet your storm. So Mark 5 verse 1 gets us there. He's, He's, he's quieted the storm. They've made it to the other side. Now we're about to see why Jesus said, let us go to the other side. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. Now picture in your mind, if you will, this is painting a description of this man's storm. <laughs> His life is a storm. He, this man had a, is, has an unclean spirit that is in possession of him. He lived among the tomb. He, he, he wasn't just visiting. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. You know what? That's not normal human strength there. 
There's something going on in this man's life that, that society is not prepared to deal with. Not every problem has a practical solution. You know, some problems require a divine solution. Some problems can only be resolved through the power of God, by the power of God. Amen? And this man had such a problem. So they society didn't know what to do with him. Now, th- this could be uh, a description of today as well. We have a lot of people incarcerated. We have uh, a, a lot of people uh, lonely and depressed. We have a lot of people that are either contemplating or have committed suicide. We have a lot of societal ills and problems that that our leaders, bless their hearts, they're, they're doing all they know to do. But it is not sufficient to resolve the issue because a lot of these things are rooted in the sin condition. A lot of these things are, ruined, uh, are rooted in the heart condition. They're, they're things that can only be addressed in the spirit man. Things that can only be addressed in the spirit. Amen? And so, so you can try to address these things in the natural, but really what you end up doing is you end up medicating, you end up isolating, you end up incarcerating, you, you're, 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 you're putting band-aids on things that, 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 that you cannot cure. Right? And this man had such a condition. So society did what society does. You know what? They tried to chain him. They tried to constrain him. You know, they tried to shackle him. But their efforts didn't work. He he flexed out of the chains like the Hulk. He broke the shackles off. They didn't know what to do with him. No one had the strength to subdue him. And And, and, and you know what? You know, we need to be careful. I know, because it's human nature, you know, I would be tempted to think this way, and I'm sure you would. It gets to a point that society doesn't care what you got to do. All right? I want to feel safe. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be in this guy's presence and and, and become a a victim or casualty of this guy. Do what you got to do. Deal with him. We don't care what you got to do. Deal with him. But this same uncontrollable guy, this same rage monster, look at what it says in verse 7. He's crying out. I'm sorry. uh, uh, Verse 6. No, back up. Verse 5. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. This same rage monster, this same uncontrollable force, okay, Uh, this thing that nobody, this person, nobody knows what to do with. It says night and day among the tombs. And on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. See, it's easy to look and observe from the outside, see the actions of an individual, all right? And then go into judge mode. That that, that person needs to be dealt with. You know, and their actions, you know what, I, we, we can let the legal system and let the people whose job it is to enforce the law. And so if he commits a crime, okay, deal with him. But you know what? The actions are one thing. The heart is another. Okay? And you can deal with the actions. You know what? We can spank our kids. We can 
you know, we can uh, give them consequences and so forth. But if what we're doing isn't reaching their hearts, okay, we may be able to force them to comply, but their heart is still in rebellion. And so, but, but God would have us as parents, or he doesn't want us to exasperate the children, but he does want us to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So there, there's a nurture part to it, <laughs> along with the admonition. And so this truth has to become their truth. As long as it's just our truth as parents, all right, then it's not governing the hearts of the children. And so at some point, we're going to have to not only give the truth to them, but we're going to have to give it to them in a way that's going to reach their hearts so that they own it, okay? They take it into their moral warehouse, and it becomes part of, it, part of what governs them as they make their decisions in life day by day by day. Because if you know as parents, we can't be with them in every situation. We can't be with them in uh, every day, in every place that they go. So we're going to have to trust God in them, uh, with them. We're going to have to trust Holy Spirit working in their hearts and working in their lives to convict them. But, but they're going to have to take ownership of that word that we've imparted to them so that it's in there. So when the Holy Spirit convicts them, they're, the word, they can, it can draw that word from their moral warehouse and convict them with that truth. All right. And they, and they, and then they have a decision to make. But if they don't own it, if it's your faith, not theirs, all right, then, then we've not equipped them, right? We've not done what God has called us to do, it's raising them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, I know that might sound like it's uh, uh, not related to some, but it is related because it, it, the same concept applies to the problematic people in our society, we can, we, we can, we can regale and, and we can, uh, we can get on our soapbox and we can tell them what the word of God says till we're blue in the face. But if we're not doing it in a way, if we're not obeying God and following what he's telling us and how he wants us to present it, then we're missing the mark. We may be speaking the truth, but that truth arrow is not hitting the target, which is their hearts. And if that does not happen, then the desired result does not happen. Right. And so so this man, this same rage monster, now we're humanizing him here. You say on the one hand, I say rage monster. All right. But on the other hand, we have a man here who night and day, that means constantly every day he's sitting there in those tombs or on the mountains and he's crying out. He's screaming. I, I, I envision a tormented soul who knows he's in bondage. To that demonic spirit. He's crying it out. This same guy that society is trying to shackle and chain. That's their solution. It's not, it's not adequate, is it? That's their solution. This man, what, what a chain is going to do to me? I am bound in the spirit. All right? I'm a prisoner of the devil. So these chains will make you feel better and make you feel safe, but it's not going to do a thing for me if I'm bound by the devil. Right? I need to be, if you want society to be free, if you want some peace, if you want to feel safe, then what you need to be doing is getting people like me delivered. Getting people like, you know, uh, uh, getting people like me saved. So, so that I'm not in bondage to the enemy of my soul. So that he can't use me as an instrument to wreak havoc in the community or in the society. Okay? For, that, that we live in. Right? And so, so we need to go beyond just the actions of an individual and ask God to give us insight 
and ask God, you know what, God, I want to be able to, uh, if, if by chance I am a vessel that you want to use to get into that person's life, Lord, just light the way to me and show me how to reach their heart. What, 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 what would you have me say? What would you have me do that would demonstrate your love, that would soften that person's heart and, 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 and get them to a place where they're able to hear your gospel and receive the gift of salvation? If we can do that, then all of us, now we got something to work with. Now we're cooking with gas, all right? <laughs> all right, now we're cooking with Crisco. Okay, we can we can get it going now. And so, so he's crying out. And look at her, he's cutting himself with stones. You know, I'm not into psychiatry and all of that other stuff, but, you know, I got to believe it's not a good sign when people are cutting themselves. That, 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 that's an indicator that something is really wrong and, and, and needs to be addressed. Right. But the issue is, how do we address it? What, what What's the solution? All right. And so. Uh, so we have to think beyond just getting this person out of society's hair. As representatives of the Lord, we need to be thinking, OK, God, how is it that you uh, are, are working? How how do we how do you set this person free? Are you hearing me? So, um, so we're humanizing this guy. He's crying out every day. He's tormented, tortured soul. And I and I envision him also saying, "Please, somebody help me." And I believe Jesus heard his cry. I said, I believe Jesus heard his cry, even in those tombs, even amongst those dead people in the tomb, isolated as he was. Man, society. Didn't care where he was, what he was doing, how he was getting along, as long as they didn't have to deal with him. But Jesus. Crossed the sea, (laughs) braved the storm. And braved the storm just to get to him. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and encounter him. So let's go on. He was cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man you unclean spirit. You know, I, I think a lot of times we read that passage and and uh, the way it's worded, we don't really get the full understanding of what transpired there. One, it ain't the man crying out. It's the demon in possession of him that's crying out. And so he knows who Jesus is. This man didn't know Jesus. The spirit inside him knew Jesus. All right. So he's crying out to him. A lot of times when you're ministering to somebody, okay, and they may be giving you some lip and attitude and you may be tempted to forget this, you know, go to hell then. 
You know, don't do, don't, don't, don't go there. You better tamp that flesh down because you're not talking to the individual. You're talking to the spirit in possession of the individual and that spirit wants to drive you away because that spirit does not want to give up the property that it has gained possession of. And so if he can offend you, all right, get you to go off in a huff, then that's victory for the spirit, for, for that evil spirit because the threat has been dealt with. And we can't let the enemy win that way. We're going to have to humble ourselves and be, you know what? I, I just, I'm going, to, I'm going to adopt a mindset that I'm not offendable. <laughs> I'm not going to be offended while I'm ministering to this individual. All right? They may say some hard things. They may say some things that normally would trigger me. But you know what? I'm laying all that down. All right? I'm coming in here, Lord. How, would you, how do you want to do this? I'm your servant. Use me, Lord. Don't let the enemy win. That's what the devil tried to do. But we can flip those. To me, it reads better if you flip those. See, it said, the reason why he said that in verse 7, crying out with a loud voice, he said, whatever you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God, high God, I drew you by God, do not torment me. For or because he, Jesus, was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus walked onto the shore and just and saw him and just said, come out. He knew exactly what it was that this man's problem was. And he spoke to it immediately when he came and addressed him. And then when he did that, the spirit tried to use this the voice of this man to tell Jesus to go away. You're here to torment me. You're here to kill me. What are you, what, what, why are you here? What have I had to do with you? So the spirit is lying, trying to, pre, trying to present Jesus as the enemy rather than the savior. All right. But the, but the spirit is desperate. Jesus, it happened first that Jesus said, come out. And then verse seven happens. Their spirit starts to reply. Desperate attempt to try and get, to try and stop the inevitable from happening. He didn't run up on Jesus before Jesus even knew the, <laughs> you know, this is something Jesus, remember Jesus went there for him. He knew before he got on the shore, he knew this man's name. He knew this man's situation. He knew this man's problem. And he got on the shore and start, got right down to business. And I think that ought to be an encouragement to us because, you know, this man is dwelling in the tombs. This man is isolated. He doesn't have a support system and so forth. Uh, and let's be real here. This man didn't get demon possessed by happenstance. He made choices more than likely that got himself in this situation. And yet, Jesus went to him in the midst of that mire and muck, in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of him suffering the consequences of his own actions to set him free. That, that's the God we serve. <laughs> you know? It's like, you know what? I, I may have gotten myself in this situation. My choices may have led to this. And, 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 and so I've, I've had to endure and languish in this situation for a long time. And I've been crying out and, and right when I was tempted to give up hope, Jesus came just in time. To me, that speaks to me. Some of you might be going through your own personal storm today. I want you to know Jesus is on his way. He's coming to quiet your storm. Your storm may 
not be of your own fault. It may be the the result of selfish actions of someone else and you're an unfortunate casualty in that whole situation and you're crying out. You're, you're not sure how this thing is going to work out. I want you to know Jesus is coming to quiet your storm. Maybe you made choices like this man, you know, I don't know what those, I don't know what choices he made, but you don't just get demon possessed ignorantly. I mean, you just don't get demon possessed without something, no, without no action on your part. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real about that. I'm not saying he intended to be. I'm saying he opened himself up and put him, made himself vulnerable to it. All right. And so it may have been out of ignorance, whatever it was, he had to have some type of participation in that happening to himself. But you know what? That did not, you know, Jesus didn't sit there and say, oh, all right, you did it. You did it to yourself. So I'm going to let you wallow in it. No. So even if you did it to yourself and you're, uh, if you're, if you're right now condemning yourself, I shouldn't have done this. I can't believe, you know, I deserve to go through this because I made that stupid decision, this, that, and the other. Don't you let the devil lie to you. Maybe you do deserve it, but, but think about it. We all deserve death. We all deserve eternal condemnation. But we have the salvation of the Lord, not because we deserved it, because it's the heart of God to give it to us. It's the gift of salvation. We couldn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But he loved us so much that it was his heart to give it to us. Because he wants to be in relationship with us. I just felt led to say that whether it's by someone else's hand or by your own hand, you are in the midst of a raging storm today. Jesus is coming to quiet your storm. And in those moments when you are tempted to beat up on yourself and to accuse yourself, I want you to, I want to remind you there is one who is the accuser of the brethren and he's the enemy of your soul. <laughs> That is Satan. Don't partner with the the enemy of your soul. Don't partner with the accuser of the brethren. You can acknowledge your sin. How can we repent if we don't acknowledge our sin? So we must acknowledge our sin with a humble heart and repent, right? So that we can stay in, in right relationship with the Lord. But there comes a point where we're not being pious and holy and humble anymore. We, 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 we are partnering with the enemy of our soul and just self-condemning, right? And when we do that, we can't be self-condemning and then walk by faith. At some point, we're going to have to go outside of ourselves, get out of our feelings, and, 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 and put ourselves in remembrance of what the Lord himself has said. Um. For example, uh, Romans uh, uh, five eight thereabouts. I didn't I didn't put that up. That's not on the list, James. I'm just going, you know. But in the right time, just just in the nick of time, you know, when we were when we were incapable, you know, when we when we when we were lost in our sins, we were incapable. He sent His Son Jesus Christ 
to save us. I'm, I'm going to go there real quick because I, 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 I believe it's Romans 8. I'm pretty sure. Yes. So, Romans, starting at 6 verse, it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But, everybody say but. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's not forget that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were justified by his shed blood. By his death on Calvary's cross and his resurrection. So, so we couldn't even be saved if our works had anything to do with it. Alright, so while we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Alright? And so, let us remember that when we are uh, self-condemning. I just, I just believe that we gotta realize if we're convicted that way, that's a sign that we are saved. That's a sign that we are in relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is doing His job. He's convicting us of wrong. He's convicting us of sin. We feel bad. We feel bad because We've been awakened. We've been quickened. The spirit is alive. We've been born again. You ought to feel bad. But let's not let that turn into something that works against you spiritually. All right? We want to remember that we belong to him. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm rambling on, y'all. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying what, uh, as it comes to my spirit here. So, um, and I just trust God that, that it all ties in. So Jesus went right to business. Jesus said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit, in verse 9. And Jesus asked him, what's your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he now, now we know exactly what the problem is. All right? There is a legion of demons inside this man. You know, it makes the storm that Jesus and the disciples faced on the sea, you know, look like child's play compared to what's going on inside this man's soul. You know, it's bad enough to have one. This guy's got a legion. Now, a legion speaks of thousands. Right? And so... So let's go on. What is your name? He replied, my name is Legion for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. That lets you know, even the devils know the authority of Jesus. They, they knew they had to go. <laughs> so Jesus didn't have to keep repeating, keep repeating, keep repeating. He said, okay, uh, please don't send me out of the country. <laughs> I know I got to go, but don't send me out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there in the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and down and drowned in the sea. So, so there was enough demons inside this man to possess two th a herd of 2,000 pigs. <laughs> so, so it... If we're talking demon per pig, at the very least, there was 2,000 of them. 
<laughs> imagine that. I'm, I don't even want to imagine that, to be honest with you. I mean, goodness gracious. It's no wonder this man was as wild and, 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 and crazy as he was. It's no wonder this man was a, was the problem, societal problem that he was. You know? And so this man was not in control of himself, much less his life. This man was being controlled. This man was out of control because there was a legion of demons in possession of him. Just pulling him every which way to do any and every depraved and defiled thing and vile thing. And all we know a lot of times from observation, we can observe the actions and 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 we can we can rate those actions and say whether they're good or bad and 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 what needs to be done or not done and this or that and the other but but as long as we're talking surface stuff as long as we're talking about just dealing with the actions then there's a lot of people who are who are not in control of their own lives they're they they the the, the uh, uh, satan and his demonic horde have control of their lives and until that is broken all right, they can't be fixed. This is not an issue where they need to be fixed. What, what needs to be fixed is their spiritual condition. And so he gave them permission. And, and, and to me, this lets you know how out of control, how, how uh, ridiculous these spirits are. He gave them permission to go into the pigs. And what they do? And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. I mean, these spirits were totally reckless, bent on destruction. So all these were in one man. They spent seconds in a herd of pigs, and the herd of pigs drowned to death just that quickly from being possessed by those demons. So I think this ought to speak to us today. I mean, I'm sure I'm thinking about the this COVID thing that our city leaders and state leaders and federal leaders are having to grapple with. <laughs> and you can do your best to come up with solutions and and uh, try to be all things to all people and so forth. But, you know, you don't have all the answers. You know, uh, human wisdom uh, is insufficient for a lot of this stuff. Are you hearing me? And I suspect that the garrison citizens and leaders, obviously they knew this man had a problem. I'm just not sure they knew what it was. I doubt that they knew he was demon-possessed. Therefore, they did not know that he needed to be set free and how to set him free. I believe societal leaders did what they could. But there's a limit to what they can do. Just like in this current time, our societal leaders do what they can. 
but there is a limit to what they can do. Praise God, though, that where their limits are, God's just, God is just beginning. <laughs> All right. So, so, so we don't have to be discouraged by the limitations of our societal leaders because our God is more than enough. He's more than sufficient for their limitations and for our limitations. Right. Okay. There, there, there is no one that is beyond reachable by God. So they couldn't do the fact that they didn't know what his deal was or how to um, resolve his issue. All they could do was try to protect other members of society <laughs> from his destructive behavior. And what they do, they to do that, they bound him and shackled him with chains. They institutionalized him. But though he was free from his man-made bonds, he was still shackled and enslaved and imprisoned spiritually. Let's open our eyes and, 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 and let's be like Paul said, where he's like the love of Christ compels us. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's have our hearts softened and our eyes opened and, and 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 have our focus where it ought to be when it comes to people who are in in, in trouble in dire situations people who are who are displaying uh, destructive uh, behavior or you know uh, abhorrent <laughs> behavior uh, let's let's endeavor to look deeper than just the actions that are that we're able to observe and ask God to open our eyes to the storm that's going on inside and 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 and, and how that storm might be quieted for them because they need Jesus they need Jesus to come and quiet their storm and give them peace in their soul and if that happens then you'll see a transformation in the outward display of behavior and attitude you'll see a manifestation of the transformation in their lives all right so because if a tree is bearing rotten fruit okay you, the solution isn't just to pick all the rotten fruit off the tree there, 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 there's some there's a disease somewhere in the root <laughs> now if you address the root problem then that tree will begin to produce healthy fruit right so all right, let's, uh, so this man was alone, isolated, crying out, desperate to be free, cutting himself. And Jesus just commanded the demons out of him. So he's free. Jesus has set him free. Now, uh, verse 14, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. <laughs> and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they rejoiced, and they celebrated Jesus, and they, no, it says they were afraid. You know, society ain't going to always understand the move of God. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, uh, even the great men and women of the Bible who God used to do great things, they, that, that, that there was a measure of fear and trembling. <laughs> Uh, and there was a bit of confusion on their parts at some point. There's things they did not understand. They just had to trust God in those things. And even when they didn't understand things, you know what they got peace about? You know what they settle in? It's like, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm looking at the circumstance. There are a lot of things going on that I can't trust. But God led me into this. And so I know I can trust him. I can trust in him. And if this is what he said, do then my trust in him is all I need in order for me to walk in obedience in that way that he's asked me to do it. It probably did, it probably made no sense at all to Noah. God said, you got to build an ark. Nobody even saw a boat or an ark. Not even sure what it was or what its purpose would be, right? And yet he did it in obedience. And when the rains came, which had never happened before, <laughs> and it rained, you know, for 40 days and nights and, it, and the earth was flooded and so forth. The thing that he was mocked for doing, because people didn't understand it, the thing that he was mocked for doing became his salvation. Right? So, so God is not, you know, uh, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So we don't know how things are going to work out. But we can trust in him because we know they're going to work out for the good. For they that love him and all the called according to his purpose. Are you hearing me? So, so he's here. They were afraid. Verse 16, and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs. So there were witnesses. They saw this stuff taking, some people, some herdsmen saw this stuff taking place. Those pigs weren't just hurting themselves. <laughs> There were some herdsmen for the, of those pigs that watched what happened to the man and what happened to the pigs, and they began to give witness to those things. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Wow, man. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might, that he might be with him or go with him. That's what happens when you have a real encounter with Jesus, Right? And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis. This is a 10 city area. All right. In the Decapolis. So he didn't just proclaim it in the city that he lived in. He proclaimed it throughout the entire 10 city Decapolis. How much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. So as I alluded to earlier, in a way, this man was very much like the raging storm on the Sea of Galilee. He had a raging storm going on inside him. Both were destructive and dangerous. That, that, that storm on the Sea of Galilee and this man we, we've read he was destructive and dangerous. Both were completely out of control. No person could contain either one. But then both encountered Jesus. And Jesus brought peace 
quieting both storms. One name for Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus told those who followed him in John 14 verse 27. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's the Prince of Peace. So I don't want to focus attention on the storm in Galilee. I don't want to focus attention on the pigs after he delivered the man from the legion of demons. Whereas he had been a slave, he was now delivered from demon possession. While he was once wild and uncontrollable, he was now sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus and in his right mind. Once naked, he's clothed. He went from being a tool of Satan to being a witness for Jesus Christ. Once a menace to society, now a messenger delivering God's word. <laughs> Amen. Giving testimony of the goodness of God. Jesus didn't just go there to cast demons out of a man. I want, I want you to hear that. Remember I said earlier in the message that there was a, a method to the madness, that, 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 that the miracle, miraculous works of Jesus were a means to an end, that, that you pretty much look at miracle after miracle after miracle was a means to transform or change a person's life. The woman who said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. Changed her life. The, the, um, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. He encountered Jesus. Changed his life. Right? Transforming life. Blind man. Spit into the dirt. Used a mud pie to, <laughs> to give him his sight back. I mean, he didn't. The miracles are awesome and uh, greater things that, you know, he said that the things that he did, we can do greater things. We, we you know, those things can be done in more abundance. <laughs> we can't do greater miracles than Jesus did, but there's more of us than one, right? And so the mighty works of God can be done everywhere through multitude of people that are his disciples. And so it can be done a greater magnitude. Greater frequency. But he didn't just do miracles for the sake of doing miracles. He 
And he didn't set that man free of demonic possession just for the sake of setting him free from demonic possession. He went there to restore a man's life. And that is what, that, that's what this is all about, <laughs> right? That, 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 that is what Jesus' focus was. He, he came to set things right. He came to set us free from, this, from the bondage of sin and death. He came to set us free from Satan's power, from Satan's grip through sin. He came to restore our lives unto him. He went there to set a captive free. So in conclusion today, if you're enduring a storm in your life, you know, uh, whether here or, or at home, uh, if you're enduring a storm in your life, please stand. If someone you care about is in a storm of life, please stand. We're just going to declare the goodness of God, and 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 we're going to do so in faith. We're going to receive the truth that Jesus is coming to quiet your storm. I don't know if your storm is your marital relationship, or a relationship between you and one of your children, or or if the storm is. One of your, one of those loved ones are enduring a personal storm of their own and, and you seem to be at a loss with how you can bring comfort and, and, and how you can help them in this situation. Whether it's you or someone you care for. Now we're all in this pandemic storm. God can bring peace to our hearts in the midst of that. But you know what? Life goes on and there are storms within the storm. And that's what I'm speaking to today. And I just want to encourage you, and I want you to believe this. I want you to grab a hold of this truth. I want you to receive it. I want you to take possession of this truth. He's coming. He's coming through the storm of COVID-19. He's coming through that storm that's out there in society. That storm will not stop him from getting to you. And when he arrives, he's coming with peace. He's coming to bring peace. Not the kind of peace the world gives, but he's coming with his divine peace and he's going to bestow it upon you. He's coming to restore your life. He's coming to restore you. Mentally, uh, 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 emotionally, in your soul, physically, spiritually. He's coming for you. And he's coming to quiet your storm. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that even in the midst of our isolation, even in the midst of uh, of the tombs of life. Even though at times we may not cut ourselves with sharp stones, but, but Father God, 
we may cut ourselves with our own words. And oftentimes, those cuts are deeper than the, than the ones in the flesh. We're cutting ourselves, we're crying out. Chaos reigns. We're, we're feeling a bit desperate, tempted to be hopeless. But we are not hopeless. For our hope is in you. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And so, Father, we believe when Jesus comes, he will find faith in us. We'll be holding on, knowing that he's faithful, knowing that he cares for us, knowing that he will let nothing prevent him from reaching us. And when he gets there, he's going to deal with the storm. He's going to quiet our storm. And we will lift up our hands with a hallelujah praise, and, and we will glorify him and thank him for his love, his grace, his mercy, and his faithfulness to us. He will keep his promise to us. We know this to be true. Because he is a promise-keeping God. I want to encourage y'all with that today. Lord bless you. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just receive that. And we say amen. And amen. To you be the glory, honor, and praise. Thank you all for, for, for tuning in. And I pray that the word of God really spoke to you and encouraged you today and, and strengthened you in that storm of life that you may be going through. The Lord bless you. Love you guys. Bye-bye.